And uh, we came out of a series from this summer where we talked about recovering redemption, right? Where we started in week one talking about how we are almost hopeless, that there's almost nothing for us. And we went for 12 weeks to the point where we talked about that God has made us the light of the world, that we're the ones that are called to go out and witness. And there's a couple reasons why this is a really good jumping off point. One, this is perfect for the series that we're going into today. We're starting something that will be hopefully challenging coming out of this series. Uh, And two, as a church, we're doing something called being on mission, where this year we've been really pushing to do our best so that we are going out into our communities, into the places around us to go and tell others the gospel, the truth of God's word. And uh, we're going to be starting another series on Sunday mornings in a few weeks. So this lines up pretty well. And today, this new series that we're starting is called Missional Mindset. I think a lot of us are from the generation where social anxiety is like at an all-time high, right? Like, think about if you are leaving to go to work in the morning and uh, you see somebody in, like, the apartment, like, a few doors down, or you see somebody, like, walking their dog in the morning, and how often do you, like, do the thing where you, like, go back up to your door and you're, like, fiddling with your key, like, saying, like, oh, man, or, like, oh, I guess I got, I forgot something inside, so I'm going to go inside, and you peek out your window until the person walks by, and then you head back outside. Does anybody do that, or is that just me? Oh, I figured, okay. Well, Ellie's raising her hand. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks, Ellie. Here, another one is when you go to Starbucks or if you go to a restaurant, uh, when you order your food and you're standing there waiting for it or you order your drink and you're standing there waiting for it, what do you usually do if you're just standing there? Pull out your phone. <laughs> you pull out your phone, right? You said, did you say talk to people? Good for you, man. Good for you. But we pull out our phone, right? Like I did, I literally did that like when I was at Starbucks earlier today. I literally ordered my, my drink and went and looked at my phone. I'm like, dang it. I'm proving my own point right now kind of thing. And even like our phones like even consumed us to the point where uh, I don't want to throw our high schoolers that go here under the bus, but I'm about to throw them under the bus. Uh, me and Sydney on Sunday mornings, we sit with a row of high schoolers that go to our high school ministry. And as soon as the, the sermon starts, you, I look down the row and I'd say 75% of them are like looking at their phones kind of thing, like absorbed in whatever's in there, instead of engaging with what's around them, engaging with what's coming in. And What I want to talk about today is that we've talked a lot about what it looks like to do evangelism. Uh, If you guys remember, those of you that were here in the spring, we did a workshop all about evangelism. Uh, Tyler and Angela were here, and they talked a little bit about what it actually looks like to practically share the gospel. And today, what I want us to start is this series that not as so much like, here's a bunch of tools to go share the gospel, but it's more so, what does it look like for us to be ready to always go out into the world, ready to share the gospel with those around us? I want us to have this headspace that we are always ready to go out and seek these opportunities that pop up. And so today is going to feel very introductional to this, but for the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about what it looks like to have a prepared heart and to have a prepared mind to answer some of the bigger questions that do come with evangelism. And so today, before I start today's talk, I want to see by show of hands from you guys, who finds it like terrifying, nerve-wracking to go up and talk to somebody random, even if it's not sharing the gospel kind of thing, just by show of hands. Nice. There's some of you guys, yeah, yeah, that's good. Now, how about if, let's add sharing the gospel into that. 
Do you, who finds it terrifying to walk up to somebody and go and tell them about what you believe? Does anybody else add on that? Yeah. Now, what, who finds it terrifying to go and share with the people that you know well, whether it's family members or friends or anything like that? Is anybody in that boat? All right, good for you guys. There's some of you guys. I was going to say, usually that's harder. Uh, now, who in here actually, and I want us to be honest because I, I want to know from you guys, knows exactly what the word evangelism means? Just by a show of hands. Does anybody know? All right. So, for, those, for the rest of us, like, it's not uncommon to not know what the word evangelism means. Like, that is not a, a thing that is like, oh, everybody knows what this word is. It's, it can be a mystery. And so today, the thing I want to tackle is, what is evangelism? What is evangelism? So, this is a word that gets thrown around a lot, right? We hear this word quite a bit, and it actually comes from a Greek word. All right, it comes from a Greek word called it's euangelion. All right, euangelion, and that word it literally will translate as gospeling. So it means it's like an action form of the gospel. A lot of times it's translated as good news, or it's translated as gospel, or it's translated as evangelism in our Bibles. But what it means is gospeling. There's a few examples that I've that we see in Scripture. Matthew 26, 13 says, Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And it's this whole narrative about uh, what's happening with Jesus at the time. And Acts 15 says, And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. This word is a lot of times used in different ways, whether it's a verb, whether it's a noun, whether it's an adjective. But to think about evangelism and to understand truly what it means is to see that it is an action, gospeling, going out and telling people about what we know, the truth of God's word. J.I. Packer, he's a pretty famous theologian, and he has a book called Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. If you're a reader, I strongly suggest you read it. It's about 100 pages. But this is what he says evangelism means. Evangelism means exhorting sinners to accept Christ Jesus as their Savior, recognizing that in the most final and far-reaching sense, they're lost without him. So if you don't know what evangelism is, this is what it is. It's to help people to recognize and see the need for a Savior and tell them about that Savior. Tell them about the hope that they can receive. That's evangelism. Now, what I want to see is where does our evangelism come from? What is it rooted in? How does that come out of us? Where is that born out of? And that's what I want to spend a little bit of time looking at today. I think our origins of evangelism don't always fit into what it looks like. In our heads, evangelism is this uncomfortable thing about walking up to somebody and saying, like, this is, kind of, this is what I believe. Like, you don't have to believe it if you don't want to, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Like, this is kind of what it is. And then only to get rejected and to walk away and feel bad about it. I think sometimes it comes across as worse. I think sometimes evangelism is those people that stand on the street corners and that scream at you saying, you're going to hell unless you're going to give up your sinful nature. I mean, I've been at Kent State. Have you, anybody else seen those people at Kent State? Like, that actually does happen. A lot of, uh, some people will equate it to those people that go out and picket on the side of the road that hold up signs about, uh, that say, like, God, like, God hates the gays or whatever, and that this is their evangelism. And I want to tell you, that is not what evangelism is. 
That is not what it is. Evangelism happens to be an interaction with individuals in which the love of God and the need for a Savior is communicated at a personal level. Evangelism is not something where we shove it down somebody's throat or we force somebody to believe something they don't truly understand. It's a loving and intimate way to show somebody that they need a Savior. And any of those failings or any of those things where they feel like they fall short or those moments where they feel unsatisfied, that they can be satisfied by a greater Savior. That that worldly satisfaction will never be enough, but Jesus will be. So if we're going to ask, where does our evangelism come from? First, our evangelism comes from a genuine care, a genuine care for others. We do, we do evangelism because, you know, we feel like we're supposed to. Especially if you come to church, you hear that word a lot. But it should start out of a genuine care for the others around us to recognize the need that, you, that I had, the need that you had, and to tell others about the fact that they need this as well. That's what evangelism is. But I don't want to neglect the Bible, obviously. I want to dig into God's word. And so I want us to recognize that evangelism does come from the Bible. That this is a concept that is biblical. That it's not something that we just made up. That this is something that's rooted in God's word. And I do want to apologize. We have some people in this room that uh, volunteer with our youth. And I taught a very similar talk for Midweek and Gather. So some of these points may seem repetitive. But for everybody else... You get some new stuff. So how do we see evangelism in the Bible? Well, firstly, we see Jesus as the best evangelist out there, which is funny because evangelism is about telling others about Jesus. But he is the best evangelist. That he knows that I'm going to go and meet the needs of people, and then I'm going to show them why they're so satisfied in me. There's a story in John 4. This story is oftentimes called the woman at the well. And Jesus walks up to this woman at a well. And he, he confronts her and asks her what she does. And she admits that she's a prostitute and that she doesn't have a husband. She has many people that she slept with. And he talks to her for a little bit and talks about the fact that you might feel hopeless. People might spit in your face. People might hate you. But I love you. And that though what you're doing is not right, it doesn't mean I love you any less. And then it goes on to say in John 4, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, is now here, when the true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He is he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He recognizes this, where this woman is at. She knows about this Messiah. She knows that there's somebody that's greater that's coming. And Jesus said, yeah, that's me. I'm that hope. I'm the one that you're looking for. Think about all those conversations you have day day in, day out where you talk to people and they think that they're unsatisfied or they they rest in their failings and all they think about is the wrongs that they have done. And you could say, you don't have to focus on that because there's somebody that died for those things, that gave his life so you don't have to be hung up on the shame and the guilt. Jesus did that first by pointing to himself. 
Another way that we see this in the Bible is with Philip. Philip presents the gospel to those who we would expect him to talk to the least. Uh, in the book of Acts, after Jesus had gone to be with the Father, Jesus went out and he started to engage with, and, or, or people, his disciples started to go out and engage with uh, others about who Jesus is. And Philip, this guy, they often call him Philip the Evangelist, so it really works out for this talk, uh, that he was going out and telling others about Jesus and what he has done. And then this story pops up in Acts chapter 8. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. That Philip went out and to this place where this other dude is like doing magic, whether he's like deceiving people or maybe he's tapping into something darker, but whatever he was doing, people were looking at him and saying, this guy's a spectacle. He has this power. And Philip comes in and says, that's, that's great, but let me show you something better. Let me show you someone better. And even the person that they were all amazed about came to faith. Our call is to go out and to talk to the people we least think may come to Jesus. The people that, like, we, you look at them, you're like, there's no way they're coming to faith. And I, I argue, I want to argue so hard that those people probably are more likely to come to faith than the person that is just living, like, the life that they feel satisfied by. And the last example I see in Scripture is about Paul. Paul goes to the places that need the gospel the most. Paul wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. He's like the perfect example of what an evangelist does. He would travel all over the world and he would go to places to tell them about who Christ is, the work he's done, and his resurrection. And Paul, he went eventually to Athens, a place that is very pagan, that worshipped other gods. And he went to go evangelize there. And he sa it says this, now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. Some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because of, he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Paul is doing this act of evangelism, and he's going out, and he's saying, let's go sit down and we're going to talk about what I believe. You tell me what you believe, I'm going to tell you what I believe. Because these people had ears that wanted to hear. To just sit down and have a good conversation with somebody about what they believe and what you believe is important. That's evangelism. That's presenting the gospel before people. Paul did that all the time. All the time. So we see all these different examples in the Bible and in Scripture of what this looks like. And so we've talked about the fact that evangelism comes from our genuine care, that evangelism, it comes from the Bible. And my last point is that evangelism comes from our calling. 
When we think about evangelism and ask the question, what is evangelism? I think a lot of us in our head, whether we want to say it or maybe it's an excuse, we say it's optional. It's something that we should do more or maybe we should consider doing or maybe if the church does a big push for this that, oh man, like I want to get on this. I want to do this as as much as I can. I want to tell all my friends about the gospel. And then as time goes on, you start to realize maybe it is harder oh man, like I've gotten shot down one too many times and it gets harder and harder and all of a sudden like that series has kind of passed by and it's, you realize you haven't talked to anybody about Jesus in six months. That the priority isn't there. There doesn't seem to be this sense of urgency. I want you to think about it this way. I want you guys to put it in perspective. Think about the way that you came to faith. If you're sitting in this room and you trust and believe in Jesus, think about the way that you came to faith. And imagine the person that told you, that presented the gospel to you, instead of telling you about it, they said, ah, like, they can wait another six months. Like, I'm just nervous about how uncomfortable it's going to make me. Like, I'll, I'll give another six months. Like, I think looking back now, most of us would probably say, I wish you would have told me about this earlier. I wish you would have told me about the truth of this earlier. Think about that in in the perspective of the people that you care about, the people that you want to tell. Not only that, though, part of our calling of who we are as believers is to be missional. This is a passage that's often called the Great Commission. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're not called to wait. We're not called to do it when we feel like it. The charge is for us to do it now. The charge is for us to have this mental headspace to go out and tell others about God's word, about the gospel. To wait and say it's hard or it's uncomfortable, I'm nervous. Those are real things and I want you to work through those things. Whatever that reason is that's holding you up, work through those things. And I say this as somebody from up here that's just as guilty of what, what I'm talking about. But that's not what God's word calls us to do. God does not call us to be nervous and to be hesitant and to just not do it. The last thing that he gives his people is he says, go out and tell others about what I have done. Here's the thing. As I look around this room and I, I see all of you guys, I know many of you guys, some of you guys I don't know as well as others. But just think about the difference that we could make as Redemption Chapel as next in the communities around us. If we took advantage of the opportunities that were presented before us, if we didn't just get hung up on some of those harder things, but we actually went out and did gospeling, we did evangelism. And so today is just kind of a start in what this series is going to look like. And I want to establish where evangelism comes from before we kind of talk next week about some maybe more practical things and what that might look like. But if our hearts are not ready for this, if our hearts are not in the right place, then we're ultimately not going to do what we're supposed to be doing. We have to correct our vision. We have to correct our sight. We have to correct our heart before we can actually go and do these things. So what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to pray for us and then you guys are going to small groups. You guys are going to talk a little bit more about this. So if you guys will bow your heads with me.
Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity that we get to dive into your word, to dig into what you have for us. Lord, help us to realize that we are inadequate, that without you, people's hearts won't be changed, but we can play the small part of at least just going and telling somebody about what you have done, what your son did on the cross, and the fact that your spirit is with us. Lord, let us never forget that. Let us never grow tired of that, and let it be something that we strive to do daily, that we go out and we do our best to share the gospel with those that are around us. And ultimately, Lord, it's because of your son and his work on the cross. Hear my prayer. Amen.